The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. And even before we begin, you might notice how this place, this room, the posture you're in right now, just because of the way our mind works, it really likes routines, right? So same place, same posture. And the mind, it reminds the mind of this other way, right? Because normally the mind is in the, mo- in the mode of chasing its likes and dislikes. It's just what it does all day long for the most part. But now, because of habit, like this is week six, Congratulations, by the way. And so now there's this newer habit of just not doing, not trying to become somebody or trying to fix, but don't you sense, maybe just even before you formally start your meditation practice, don't you sense this possibility of just being? Or you could, I mean isn't about the words, just being, or being mindfully aware, or resting in awareness. But you see this other possibility of what to do right now? Like, oh, I'm getting ready to sit, right? So meditation is like something I'm about to do, or something that I'm doing, another self-centered project. Or you might now have some intuition that there's this other possibility that whatever our meditation practice is about, it's more about what's not going on in the mind than it is about what the mind is doing. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we don't direct the attention sometimes or bring the attention back to the body or back to the breath in the body or ask a question in the mind, you know, is there greed in the mind? What's the mind doing? So there are all these techniques, but all the techniques that we've learned over the six weeks are all in the service of something that is natural and ordinary and trustworthy. This capacity the mind already has, remember you can use the word heart instead of mind, this capacity the mind or the heart already has to just be, to rest. But that resting doesn't imply that the body or the mind is still. There's something still, even as the mind and body is doing its thing. You know, the head's moving or we'll look, we adjust the thinking mind thinks. But there's something that can be trusted that, like the space of the room, right? There may be different things going on in the space of the room, but isn't there something here, like the space of the present moment, that is different than the activity of the body and the mind? Same place, in a sense, right? So we're learning to trust that. And it has a very distinct flavor, right? The flavor of 
peace or the flavor of equanimity, the flavor of non-reactivity. Do you sense that? And it isn't about stopping the mind from thinking or even stopping the body from moving, although that can be a helpful technique to quiet the mind down, to hold the body relatively still. So it's important, you know, that we're not practicing to be free of the thinking mind or free of the aching body. We're practicing to be free with the thinking mind, the activity of the mind, free with the body, free with life, circumstances. I might have mentioned in the previous week this sweet little teaching from the Buddha about the eight worldly winds. Sometimes it's translated as the eight vicissitudes of life. We don't hear that word as much as you know, the worldly winds, right? The way our life blows here and then there. So if I didn't mention it, it's gain and loss, pleasure and pain, fame and disrepute, praise and blame. And the idea, right, is that inevitably, inherently in life, we get blown around by these worldly winds. Sometimes it's pleasurable, Sometimes the moment is painful. Some peop- sometimes people really praise us. Sometimes they blame us. Sometimes we're famous. Sometimes we're infamous, right? Sometimes we're successful. And sometimes we fail. So, are we, when this, these inevitable winds blow in our life, is that steady, peaceful refuge, does that need to be blown around? Is there a way for something to remain unmoved, a peace, an equanimity, a wisdom, a love? You know, Again, the words can kind of point to what I'm talking about, but the word itself you know, will never be perfect or... We have to find something that doesn't move, even as our life we have sadness and joy, success and failure. What remains steady, unmoved, peaceful, unafraid? And this is the telltale sign. Like, uh, I mean, some things you can really directly see if you're persistent in your practice, you know. But the more subtle and more resonant value of the practice is this very gradual deepening or strengthening of this quality of equanimity, or you could call it a a kind of space of the mind or perspective, wisdom, that is somehow unmoved, like the one of the phrases from the Buddhist teachings in terms of talking about the fruit of practice is this unshakable release of the heart. Or one contemporary Buddhist teacher, American teacher, 
who's also a Buddhist monk, calls it the unprovoked awareness release. <laughs> kind of a mouthful. But you can get a sense from our own practice, like you're moving through your life, not just in your formal sitting time, of course, what good is our practice if it's only there when we're formally meditating? I mean, even if you're the most fortunate person in the world, you know, you're unlikely to get more than a couple hours in a day. So then that means the rest of the day you're getting pushed around by life, up and down, reactive, entangled. So we want to be discerning, especially as the months and years of practice go by. We want to discern. One friend of mine called it a creeping spaciousness. <laughs> I like that. Right? We want to begin to discern a sense of space, something that's unshakable, that's not a function of whatever the particular circumstances are in the moment. People like me, people don't like me. My body feels good, my body doesn't feel good. I'm afraid, I'm not afraid. So as we sit tonight, you know, we'll do three different practices. The first part we'll do some of the formal loving-kindness practice, which is just a great technique to know. And it really strengthens your awareness practice because, as I mentioned last week, it's not really possible to connect with the present moment unless there is some, to some degree, an attitude of kindness, basic friendliness, compassion. That is the very definition of love or kindness, compassion. It's that attitude of mind that knows how to connect, that knows how to be intimate, that knows how to say, yes, it's like this now. Oh, yes, it's like this now. I'm, I'm a suffering being or you're suffering and I'm not afraid of whatever I feel or see in your life or I'm not afraid of whatever I feel or see in my life. I'm willing to connect. I'm willing to be sensitive. Right? That's what love is, whether we're connecting with something really beautiful or something really difficult. It's love that has this value, this kind of deep instinct that it's safe to connect, it's safe to be close, it's safe to include. And you can see like in how you understand love or compassion, kindness, you'll see that that more specific or technical quality of connecting or being intimate or including, it really works for how we normally use the word love in, in a spiritual sense, not kind of like I love hamburgers, or, you know, in a more casual sense because we use love as something I'm attracted to or something I want. But that's not the love we're talking about. We're talking about this really beautiful attitude, stable, like powerful attitude of mind, that basic goodness or friendliness of the heart. And it isn't even about what we're being friendly or what we're being kind to or compassionate toward. It's like the love, the compassion, the kindness exists before the particular thing that the heart is including or the heart is connecting with. It just so happens that this person is here or this particular personal circumstance is, is arising in my life and I'm opening my heart 
I'm connecting, I'm including it, I'm allowing it to be the way it is. But the love isn't dependent on that. Like I don't, for love to be, I don't need to be hurting. The compassion, the potentiality of compassion and friendliness is already there before we, you know, act in a compassionate way. And that's really what this first will do tonight. And in your home practice, some days you might want to spend a lot of time with the loving kindness, but it's good to do at least a couple minutes at the beginning, just on that level of affecting the attitude from being a little afraid, a little anxious, a little reactive, a little needy, to this more generous place of being kind and friendly and in tune with the basic goodness in the heart. Right? So we'll, we'll do more than a few minutes. We'll do maybe 10 minutes of the formal loving-kindness practice. Then we'll do the breath meditation, more of a directed whole-body awareness, right? Stabilizing the awareness, really strengthening right, that capacity to have a continuity of present moment awareness. And the last part of the practice, we do the open attention practice that we've done off and on over the weeks of the class, where we're not directing the attention to any particular object. So whatever object shows up is a suitable object for the awareness to connect with. Oh, this is being known. Whether that's a thought, an emotion, a reactive pattern in the mind, like an an afflictive emotion, a sound from the street, sound of somebody moving, the not liking of somebody moving in the room, whatever, in that open attention, open awareness practice, any object is as good as another object, right? And even if you're reacting to something that's happening, then the reaction, the reactivity itself, can be the object of awareness. Oh, the mind is reacting. This reactivity is just something being known, something being felt. It's like this now. Can this be okay? That's an, that's an actual question. I don't know. Can it be okay? In, in the sense, can I connect? Can the awareness, the kind, interested presence, can it allow whatever's happening in the body and mind to happen? And can it know the next moment? And then can it keep connecting, sustaining that present moment awareness? And if not, then the awareness can be interested in what's interrupted the continuity of awareness. What's happening? What's the mind knowing now? So that's how we start over again, is that basic interest. Like if the mind, even if we're doing the loving kindness practice or the directing the attention back to that basic training, We've used a lot, breathing in, sensitive to the whole body, breathing out, sensitive to the whole body. Even if we're directing back to that, right? it's all right here in the present moment. Right? And we connect with the loving kindness, the whole body awareness, or whatever experience is predominant in the, mor- in the moment. We connect to it by trusting that, like resting back in the awareness, right? Because all those objects, whatever it is that the mind is going to know in any moment, where is all that happening? 
It's all happening right here in the heart and mind. So this, it's not like we have to go anywhere to like know that object or to know that. Ob- we have that sense of like different locations, but everything, our whole life, absolutely everything we've ever experienced is happening right here in the present moment, in the space of the mind, the space of the heart. I mean, the words don't matter, but you get the sense that it's all here. So why not, from an egoic point of view, why not relax? Because you see when you relax, you see how naturally you're aware of what's here and now? It's all here. The whole body, a sensation is here. Whatever love, loving kindness is available, where else would it be but here, right? Whatever object, if we're doing open attention, where we're knowing the predominant object moment by moment, where would that arise? Well, right here in the present moment, in the space of the mind. It's all here. So in starting over, the most important thing is an understanding, not so much something you, the meditator, has to do, but starting over mostly requires a wisdom, right? Whatever it is we're doing, or you know, speaking to yourself, whatever it is I'm doing, it's here and now. It's already here and now. The Buddha, my teachers, whatever, they never ask me to do anything that isn't already here and now. We never have to go anywhere because it's always here and now. It makes it so much easier when we remember that. Otherwise, we're sort of chasing our tail, thinking that what I'm supposed to do in my meditation is out there somewhere, you know, like an object that I need to know out there. So it's like really sensing that whatever object we're going to need to know to be a good meditator, it's already showing up right here. That's why right from week one, what was one of the most important qualities? Relax, right? You've got to remember to relax and to be mistrustful of anything in our practice that feels tight. Well, what's this tightness about? Is it really in the service of a continuity of awareness? Now, there may be painful sensations. There often are. But we're, we don't need to intentionally get tight or think that tightness is somehow needed in order to practice, right? It's always good to trust relaxing, softening, remembering it's a natural thing, awareness practice, mindfulness practice, and love for that matter, cultivating loving kindness. Because it's more about what's not there. It's more about letting distractions cease than me getting rid of distraction. It's letting distraction cease by not being confused by the thinking mind, for example. So if I'm sitting here judging myself for being a bad meditator, instead of then thinking I've got to get rid of that judging mind, I notice that right here in the moment, judging is happening, judging is being known. And now I'm not identified with the judging, but wisdom in the mind is aware. There is judging and it's like this. And in a sense, the judging, the habit of judging is not being fed because now the mind's not identified with the judging, the thinking. It's just seeing it. 
Oh yeah, that's what the mind, that's what the thinking mind is doing, it's judging. And the tendency is it for it to cease because it's not being fed through attachment to the mind, thinking it's somebody who has to do something, fix something, get rid of something, or continue judging something. And so in practice, one of the ways we talk about this is that the activity of the body and the activity of the mind is just nature. It's just something happening that is being known. And the activity of the body-mind is always seen as nature, as a counterweight to seeing it as me. Because if we see it as me, my thoughts are me, then that means we're attached or identified with them, and we're feeding, meaning one thought's going to lead to another and another, and it's literally endless. We We do fill up our lives, our days, with one thought leading to the next. Any questions before we do our sitting about what I've said? I'll give less instruction tonight, just give you more opportunity, and then we'll have a check-in after we sit. Feel free to stand and stretch out your legs so you'll be comfortable sitting for about 30 minutes, whatever you need to do. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.